Next up on Saturday mornings at your service, it's Welcome to Health. Greatest Grains and the Welcome to Health Center bring you Dr. Kurt Rexroth, chiropractor and clinical nutritionist. Dr. Rexroth is here to answer your questions about chiropractic, nutrition, or healthy weight loss. So give Dr. Rexroth a call at 344-1420, or you can find him online at welcometohealth.com. And now here's Dr. Kurt Rexroth. Good morning, Quad Cities. It's going to be a great day here on the program. Uh, we've got a vital topic today. This is The topic today is vitamin D. And um, I'm telling you, you know, it's been in the news here lately because uh, the season. The season is the middle of winter, the summer st- or the winter solstice when the sun doesn't come out very often and things like that. And, and uh, there's no time in the day, these days in the Midwest, where you can go outside and allow your skin to make vitamin D. So we're going to be talking about that today, and we're going to be talking about how important it is to have an adequate vitamin D levels and how important it is to, at this particular point in your winter, to supplement vitamin D. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. But first of all, I wanted to uh, remind you all that we have a weight loss seminar on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 at the Welcome to Health Center. Now, this is very, very important. A lot of you folks out there are going to be declaring um, you know, the New Year's resolutions. You're going to be promising yourself that you're going to do it this time. And uh, I encourage you to do that, but I encourage you also to get some help at it. Because when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to changing habits, when it comes to shifting your diet to a healthier diet, it's not an easy thing for most of us. Food and particularly sugar, are these foods are addictive and they kind of entice us. And of course, then we don't get much help either from the television because uh, what do they advertise on the television? I mean, some of the most incredibly looking foods and most of them are sweet or salty. You know, salt and carbs go really well together. And and of course, all these different fruit flavors and all this stuff, um, absolutely amazing what you can get. On the other hand, it's also absolutely amazing how addicted we are to these things. And we basically say, you know, darn, darn the health, and we're just going to go forward with um, making ourselves as unhealthy as possible by continuing to eat the wrong things. So I, I uh, would encourage you to stop by at the clinic on Tuesday evening, 6.30, and actually hear an in-depth transition that a person can make from eating an unhealthy diet, the SAD diet, the standard American diet, and make a transition to a healthy diet. And that does not require me getting up there in front of the group that's at the office there and saying, we're going to convince you you're going to eat sticks and berries for the next, you know, so many months. It's not like that. The diet we have there is one of the smoothest transitions you can possibly make. The foods are delicious. They are nutritious. There, it's a it's a focused diet where your fat and the more you have, the more you have available there. You can turn that fat into energy, so that you can live your life in a productive and energetic way. And that is so important to realize that um, back in the in in the revolutionary times, people only ate about four pounds of sugar a a day. I mean, sorry, a year, four pounds of sugar a year. And now we're eating between 160 and 250 pounds of sugar per year. That's where we're deriving our energy. Back then, they got their energy from fat. And um, so they burned fat all day long. That's why they were 
uh, tuned, they were energetic, they did what they needed to do, but they were burning fat, burning their own fat when necessary, but also eating lots of fat, lots of good nutritious fat. So, but we will, what we'll do at the clinic is we'll actually shift you to fat burning. Okay, our topic today is vitamin D and how important it is. Particularly, you need to think about it in the wintertime because you're not getting exposure. Even in the summertime at this particular latitude, you have to be outdoors in the sun in the middle of the day. Uh, there's a kind of a range between around 1030 until, uh, you know, later, a little later in the afternoon, about 3 o'clock, where you're actually going to be having enough direct sunlight with the appropriate amount of, of ultraviolet B rays in order to stimulate your skin to produce vitamin D. Now, it's interesting. It produces vitamin D from cholesterol. So you have to have enough cholesterol in the blood, too. And this is something that a lot of uh, the medical world is, you know, kind of, I feel, failing at because uh, if you have a cholesterol under 170, then it's kind of questionable whether you have all the cholesterol you need to support your immune system, to support your production of vitamin D, etc. So, you know, do that. Now, you can get some ultraviolet B rays in sunbeds also, and uh, I'm not necessarily encouraging you to do it that way because there are other ways. But what you want to do is you never want to get into the high-intensity beds because that's mostly ultraviolet A um, and you don't want that. It's the B. It's the less energetic rays that give you the uh, not only the best tanning, but also gives you the best vitamin D production. So the ones that you go in, you say, give me the bulbs that are worn out. Give me the bulbs that are, that are um, in the beds, you know, not in the stand-up intense things. And also another thing I would encourage you to do is don't lay in the tanning beds with your face under the ultraviolet A light. There's kind of a purplish light that is in most beds these days where it, it, that's intense ultraviolet A, and you don't want that. You want the ultraviolet B. So whenever I'm uh, tuning up, so to speak, to go down, you know, to develop a little tan so I'm protected if I'm going down to the tropics, for example, uh, what I would encourage you to do is lay in the bed backwards, namely put your head on the end where there isn't that intense ultraviolet A and get the ultraviolet B from the long tube lights. But enough about that, because that's a, you know, a topic that's kind of questionable. You don't want to damage your skin in any case. That's why it's good to have a little tan when you're going to go out in the sun so you don't damage your skin. So what about, ultraviolet, um, what about vitamin D production? Uh, what about supplementing vitamin D? Well, the, the standard nanograms per deciliter of vitamin D in the blood that you want to aim for. If you have blood tests, take them out and take a look and see what yours are. Um, and that is between 40 and 60 is the number that you want to key on when it comes to um, blood levels of vitamin D. Uh, what I find is very seldom do I find somebody who's not supplementing vitamin D at this time of the year above 30. Now, 30 is what the medical world feels is normal, but the research which is based upon uh, some incredible things. For example, they, they went to some of the primitive tribes in Africa that are still following the hunter-gatherer way of life, and they're out in the sun, you know, uh, mostly naked most of the day. Of course, their skin color has a lot to do with how much vitamin D is made, so they're protected from the intensity of the sun by their skin color, by their pigmentation. But in that particular group of people, they are making enough to sustain a level of blood vitamin D between 40 and 60. So that is kind of 
pretty sophisticated research, and it gives you the most, probably the most reliable um, range. Uh, some people are worried about vitamin D toxicity. You know, if your vitamin D level through supplementation does get up into the 90s, don't worry about it. The, the levels where they start becoming concerned about it in the people that are actually do the research is over 250. And I've never known anybody who's even, even approximated that level of vitamin D in their blood. So don't worry about the toxicity. Just uh, try to get it between, between 40 and 60 nanograms per deciliter and, and do it that way. In any case, now how much vitamin D do you need to supplement in order to get that? Well, you need to supplement probably in this time of year, you need to be going between somewhere between 5,000 international units to 10,000 international units per day. And this is extraordinarily important. Uh, I'll repeat that, between five to 10,000 international units per day. Now, it's easy. We, at the office here, we have supplements that help you with this, and it, it's really wonderful because we have little bottles of, and with a dropper in it, and you just drop the vitamin D under your tongue, and you, know, you put it up high enough, you can see the drop, and drop it under your tongue, and giving yourself five, seven, eight drops of that takes just a few seconds. Uh, you just leave it in there. It absorbs through the oral mucosa right into, you know, into your mouth skin, so to speak, and it goes into the bloodstream, and then it's usable. And you want to make sure it's vitamin D3 that you're taking because that's extraordinarily important to make sure you get the right form. The vitamin D2 has a very short half-life. It doesn't last very long in the body. There's question as to how much of it is actually converted to the active form of vitamin D also. Uh, the vitamin D in milk is often uh, vitamin D2, which is, again, questionable. Um, but the vitamin D3 is so close to the vitamin D that you actually use that that's what you want to get is vitamin D3, all right? You know, we've known a lot about the cell for quite a while. It was the invention of the electron microscope. Boy, that just exploded knowledge about the cell and how it works. But there are a lot of things that took us a lot longer to figure out, and some of the things is... Uh, you know, we knew about genetic material with Watson and Crick's discovery of the structure of DNA. They, of course, had a lot of help from uh, other people. One wonderful lady, I forget her name right now, but, but she was uh, magnificent in providing the information required to do that. But we didn't know how the DNA worked. And for many decades, we had this concept that, that, the, that the DNA provided us with the, the information to build things, when as a matter of fact, that's the, what they called the proteins around the DNA. They called it junk DNA. They didn't know what it was for. And that's really the epigenome or the information that tells the DNA what to do. But the DNA does something very significant, and that is this. It contains the, the blueprints for proteins. And so we can't make proteins without having those blueprints, okay? And in order to get the blueprints out and to make them work, what do you think we need? We need vitamin D. In other words, if you want to reproduce a cell or you know, uh, divide cells to produce new cells, to take stem cells and, and differentiate them into skin cells or liver cells, kidney cells, brain cells, any of these things that stem cells can become, if you want to do that, you've got to be able to access the vitamin D blueprints, the protein blueprints. And it turns out that without adequate vitamin D, you cannot access the blueprints. 
So you may limp along with old parts in your cells or old senescent cells that are, you know, they want to go. They want, they're, they're finished with their life. They want to, they, they want to you know, move on to, the, to being reprocessed and they want to need to be recycled. They're, Recycle my parts, please, is what they're saying. And yet they're having to soldier on because there's no way of producing new cells. And this is just not good. I mean, what's a formula for aging if that's not the formula for aging? So here we go in terms of what, it, how, what part does vitamin D play in that? Well, vitamin D actually opens up or unsleeves, uh, rolls the sleeve back on the DNA segment that, that is needed to reproduce a particular cell part or to reproduce a cell. It rolls that sleeve back and it makes the blueprint available. Then the, a copy of the blueprint is made with RNA. It's sent to the manufacturing unit and the endoplasmic reticulum. The endoplasmic reticulum produces the protein. The protein goes out and, and does its job, whether it's a hormone, whether it's a, a part of the cell to be rebuild mitochondria, whether, whatever it is. These things happen because the initial unsleeving of the DNA has this important nutrient, vitamin D. Now, one of the things that I'm always shocked at, and when I'm looking at vitamin, uh, blood work, I almost always look first at the vitamin D levels because I know how important the vitamin D is in terms of generalized health. But one of the first things I, I notice is in most cases, the vitamin D level of the patient is low. Uh, if it's 30, we're lucky. And it, depending on how much outdoor exposure the person has, it can be much, much worse than 30. And depending also in terms of the skin pigmentation of the person, it can be really, really low. And why do I mention that? Well, you know, we all have the same genes for uh, skin pigmentation, but in terms of our genetic background, our ancestors, different people in different parts of the world needed different amounts of, of protection from the sun. And if a person is in you know, Africa and that's where they lived and they spent, their ancestors spent most of the time outdoors naked, then they are going to have to have full body protection from the sun. And the sun at the equator, there's thinner atmosphere, there's more direct sunlight at the equator. And believe me, you need a lot of protection at the equator from the sun. And so they had very, very dark pigmentation and that's exactly what they should have had. If they hadn't had that, they would have, uh, you know, <laughs> here, yeah, let's put a red-headed, light-skinned um, roofer in, in equatorial Africa and ask how long they're going to last. They won't have any skin after just a couple of days, right? So the pigmentation is absolutely necessary. But you take that same person and you move them into our climate or you move them even nor further north into Sweden, things like this, into the, the uh, Arctic Circle, and you're going to find out that they aren't going to make any vitamin D at all through skin and they, their values will be extremely low. And that's what we found in the practice too. And it's something that was one of the first things I usually mention is that we need to test your vitamin D level and we need to make sure that we supplement it properly. Now, you can get some vitamin D just in terms of meat, eating, your, eating meat and things. That was very difficult to measure that for many decades. You know, we knew about the vitamin D, but we didn't have the sensitive equipment to measure it. But you can get some. You can get about, oh, 1,500. Um, 
uh, international units of vitamin D if you're eating meat throughout the day. But that's not even enough. So in this time of year, you can't get any by being outdoors in the sun. It's just impossible. The angle of the sun through the uh, atmosphere completely blocks all the ultraviolet B radiation that is required. So, um, you know, you can't get it there. So your only choice basically is to supplement. The best way to supplement is with an oil supplement because it's an oil-soluble uh, vitamin, an oil supplement, and the best way to absorb it is hopefully through the mouth. Sometimes people have about 40% of the population does not recycle um, vitamin D very efficiently through the gut. Uh, and so it's important to get it in the right way. And it's important to accompany that vitamin D with vitamin K2. You want vitamin D3 and K2. Now let's just talk just a little bit about that. One of the things that happens with K2 is K2 is very good at, re at taking the calcium from your blood and putting it into bones. So let's just do a little story here, okay? You found out that you have osteopenia, and a lot of my listeners out there, I'm sure you have been told that. You get a DEXA scan test, and they you know, test your bones for calcification, and you find out you're a little bit low. Or maybe it's even osteoporosis, which puts you at high risk for bone fracture, hip fracture being the most common one. And, you, um, and so you have this information already. Well, how do you beef things up? I would discourage you from taking the, the medications and things, although, uh, you know, your doctor is going to be the one who's going to be responsible for th those recommendations. But what happens with those medications, you know, the, the ones that are um, uh, making your x-rays look, look really good and making the DEXA scan look good, but they do not improve your bone fragility very much. As a matter of fact, they actually increase bone fragility, some studies have said. But those actually kill one of your cells that is responsible for remodeling bone tissue. Uh, it kills the osteoclast, and it leaves the osteoblast. Now, what does that mean? That means that the, bone, the cell in your body that actually crawls along the bone and dissolves the old calcium and dissolves the old fragile bone out of the bone matrix, and, and then the osteoblast comes in behind it and lays in new calcium, it kills the cell that, that eliminates or dissolves out the old fragile calcium. And so now all you're doing is you're laying in new calcium on top of old fragile calcium, and that does not improve the bone strength very much, and it certainly does not improve the bone flexibility very much, and that's what you need. If, you're gonna, if you fall, you want a bone that can absorb the shock. You don't want a bone that immediately cracks. So, you know, to keep that in mind when, in terms of the recommendations. However, there is a way out of that, and that is a very inexpensive way, and that is that you can, you can instead use vitamin K2, and that vitamin K2 actually dissolves calcium out of the arteries and the heart and in the peripheral circulation, puts it back into the circulation, and then it can be and then it actually aids in the carboxylation of the osteocalcin in the bone, and that vitamin or that um, calcium locks right into the bone and tends to stay there far more tenaciously. It becomes good, solid calcification of the bone. And so whenever you're taking the vitamin 
uh, D3, you also want to take vitamin K2 along with it. And our supplements at the practice have both of those in it. Now, there's one other quick issue I want to bring up, and that is this. We do a lot of genetic counseling at the practice at the Welcome to Health Center. We also do genetic testing. Uh, I would encourage you to come in and get that information because it is really important. And this is something, me personally, my genetics, my genetic testing showed me that I do not imbibe the, the uh, vitamin D easily into my cell. And so cells. And so when I look at vitamin D, what I look for is a special form of vitamin D, liposomal vitamin D, that aids in the, my cell membranes transmittal of vitamin D from outside the cell into the cell where, where it's needed, as we said, for access to our own DNA and our ability to reproduce parts for our cells and hormones for our body and all of these things. We need that access to the DNA. So what I do is I do a special liposomal form of uh, vitamin D and K2 in order to get it into my cells more efficiently. So there's lots of information now that it's important to know about, and it's important to individualize that information so that you can have the best form of supplementation for you. And that is um, you know, something that we just haven't had access to in the past. If you have, for example, a... Um, 23andMe test already done, uh, you know, give the office a call. We can do some um, nutritional counseling based on your um, 23andMe. We also have our own specialized lab available to us that we can do the genetic testing. And so, you know, bring that information into us and we can actually help you understand what's going on with your body, what's going on with your potential. But right off the bat, don't go through this winter without supplementing lots of vitamin D. You need that vitamin D3, do it in the right forms, and you'll get good results. Raise that vitamin D level into the 40 to 60 range, and you're going to have access to your own genetics and, and the reproductive capacity of all of your cells. And that's what's so important to do these days. In these dreary days of winter, you've got to make sure you supplement the vitamin D. And then in the summertime, make sure you get out there when, and you're feeling good in the sun. That's part of what makes you feel good in the sun is adequate vitamin D. So get out there and do it then. But now, get the right supplementation. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Health with Dr. Kurt Rexroth part of Saturday mornings at your service. Sponsored by the Welcome to Health Center and Greatest Grains. Dr. Rexroth will be back next week at the same time. If you have a question before then, give the good doctor a call at 309-764-2115 or find him online at welcometohealth.com where you can download podcasts of this program, ask questions on the blog, find out about special events, and request an appointment with Dr. Rexroth. And remember, Dr. Rexroth donates his services as a guest speaker to Quad Cities clubs, church groups, and business organizations.